Our worship team has done a a great piece of work for us this morning, and it's so good to hear them. So you applauded them. I hope it wasn't only the worship team that you applauded. I hope what you were applauding was the truth that you heard and that you want to be invested in the truth and that you want that truth to to just flow through you to God's honor and glory. Whenever we hear the great hymns, the anthems, the worship songs of the church, that always must be the result. They are not presented in this service or the, the later service of the morning by our chancel choir or by any worshiping group just for our entertainment, but to call us into a deeper, deeper commitment and relationship with the Lord Jesus. The scripture that you are going to hear now is a, is a scripture that just vibrates with meaning, and it is a scripture which clearly shows what I've just uh, related to you uh, about the music of the church and how it draws us to attention and what the result of having heard good music, strong scripture, the presentation of the word of God must be the result of. So we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Just let me interrupt the reading right there and say, you all know that. You've all planted grass seed. You wanted to save some money by not having to buy a lot of grass seed. You made, it, you made it thin, you made it skimpy, and when it came up, you wondered why it wasn't thick, why the lawn didn't look good. You sowed sparingly. So there's an example right in our front lawn of the truth of the Scripture. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has proposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now... He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, because of the proof, given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. While they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of this surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. One of my favorite verses 
in the New Testament is 2 Corinthians 9, 13. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ. Who is alive this morning doing that because of you? Who is alive this morning in the kingdom across the world giving thanks to God because you have been obedient, because you have been true to your confession that Jesus is the Christ and all that you do and all that you labor for is for that to be known in people's lives. Paul was involved with, with gathering money for impoverished Christians in Jerusalem. Those Christians had been ravaged by war for years and they were still being plundered by the Roman government. And so Paul appealed to those who wanted to be the church at Corinth to unite by helping people in Christ who were living in Jerusalem and help them by giving financial resources and experiencing the blessing, as you heard read, that comes from giving. Now, to help the Corinthians understand how giving produces getting, he told them about the Macedonian Christians. And the story of the Macedonian Christians is really quite a story to become familiar with, quite a story to behold. The Macedonians were economically depressed. They were more economically depressed than even the Christians in Jerusalem for whom the offering that Paul had called for was being gathered. Yet the Macedonian response was just unbelievable. You find that story in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. It is a great, great story. And later today, you really ought to familiarize yourself or remind yourself of it because what it is about is free will giving. Chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians is about free will giving. The Macedonians gave not based on a percentage of their resources, but they gave on what they had. They believed that God expected giving based on what we have, on what we possess, out of our gratitude to him. Now, that's consistent throughout the scriptures, and let me just share with you a couple of scriptures that show that. In Luke chapter 8, verse 38, is this word of Jesus. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Or this from Second Corinthians, uh, from First Corinthians, chapter sixteen, verse two. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save, 
as he may prosper, so that no collection need be made when I come. On a regular basis, Paul was saying, you need to set aside, Corinthians, an offering for the Lord so that we don't need to spend our time worrying about how the bills are going to be paid, so that we don't need to spend our time gathering money, but that we can be together in the Lord's worship and praise. The work's already done. The gifts are gathered. I can't tell you how many times across the years of my ministry I have heard churches say, including our own, well, whenever there's a need, we just have to make it known and the people will respond. Well, that's true. That's been very true, but that's not biblical. (laughs) That's the problem with that. We get the bills paid. We get the project taken care of. But you see, devotion to God, according to Scripture, is is that we determine according to the blessings that we have. What we set aside on a regular basis, not when a special appeal is made. The community courier is full of places that you can go to get a turkey supper, a beef dinner, an oyster and beef dinner, where you can buy all kinds of homemade soups and pies. And the majority of those places offering those foods for sale are churches. They think they're putting up announcements about meals. What they're putting up announcements for is to ask the community to buy a product to sustain their church. That's not biblical. And those churches will continue to struggle and struggle and struggle that put their methods ahead of God's methods. It's outlined for us in Scripture and where the Scripture shows us the way therein we walk. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4, is this astounding verse of Scripture. The Macedonians did this. They begged us, Paul says, they begged us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. People who were economically impoverished when they learned of the difficulty the church in Jerusalem was having, they begged for the privilege of giving out of what they had in order to sustain the ministry in Jerusalem. Now, just imagine, just imagine the Holy Spirit suddenly getting a hold of our church and you begin to clamor. (laughs) You begin to clamor for the opportunity to give. That's what the testimony of Scripture is. The poverty-stricken Macedonians begged to give for the help of the church in Jerusalem. And Paul was saying to the Corinthians, if the Macedonians can help that way, if God can move on them in that way, he can certainly move here in Corinth in that way too. You see, the Macedonians' first priority was to present themselves to God was to present themselves to God. Generous giving always follows personal dedication. Genuine giving always follows 
personal dedication. Giving money for the Lord's work is a premeditated act. And it's an act of the heart. As believers in Christ, we do not give on arbitrary standards or according to the demands of others. Because when we do that, we give grudgingly. When we do that, we give grudgingly. And the Bible was clear that God loves a heart that is happy to give, a heart that is, that is cheerful and joyous over what, is, what God has done in the life. Giving is voluntary. voluntary. For a while, there was a prescription in Scripture to get people to understand and know what God wanted. But the New Testament comes alive with the privilege of giving according to the way we are blessed. God's people are asked to give freely with an attitude of glad sacrifice. Now you want to be confident in the word of God. And so we show you this scripture from Philippians 4, 9 about this. What does God say when, when we receive his word, when we live in that word? Here's the promise. Philippians 4, 19, and my God will supply all your needs. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The biblical view of possessions is to honor God first by giving him our best so that we can receive his blessings. We go back to the book of Proverbs. And there in Proverbs, the third chapter, verses 9 and 10, are these words. Honor the Lord with your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. When Christians give of material goods and resources, God generously replenishes. That's the testimony of Scripture. Now, this is not a wealth and prosperity gospel. This is, <clears throat> this is not that. And you are very mistaken if you are interpreting this Scripture this morning to think that if, if you do this, God is going to make you rich. He might. He might choose that for you. But if he does, he's giving you those riches so that you can give him more. See, he's blessing you so that you can provide him more. When Christians give material goods and resources, God generously replenishes. God gives back so that believers can continue to meet needs. You know, last week we talked about command and covenant and commitment, and we we looked at that word covenant and how precious a word it is. In covenant with us, God makes us promises. And God says, if you will, 
if you honor me, if you will do this for me, I promise to do this for you. And so we say, okay, God, I promise to do that. And God says, okay, well, because you've promised, then I promise to make your promise possible. I promise to bless you so that you will be able to fulfill your promise. You're not in the, you're not in the making a promise business on your own. I'm right there beside you. I'm about to tell you something that you do experience. Some of you recognize this, and some of you are yet to recognize it. But here is one of the the basic, basic things that happens to us every day. Every day, your testimony about Jesus is tested. Every day, your testimony about Jesus is tested. Some of you know that because you are open in your witness. Some of you aren't as open in your witness, but you're challenged mentally because of what you hear, because of what you're asked to do, because of what someone else wants to lead you into, which you know is not godly. Every day, our testimony of Jesus is tested. Someone checks out your confession of Jesus. Someone checks out your confession of Jesus being the Lord that you follow. Children came before me again this morning, and I asked them a question. Can you complete this sentence? Always tell the truth. And they knew that right away. Are you telling the truth this morning? Are you you telling the truth? Is the truth in you that Jesus is the Lord of your life? That he is the one in charge? That it is from him you take your direction and your cues about everything? About absolutely everything? I want you to do something right now. Fellas, I want you, wherever you keep your wallet, I want you to put your hand on your wallet. And ladies, I want you to put your hand on your purse if you have one with you. Just, just touch your wallet in your, in your pants pocket or wherever you have that. Now, now what, you're, what you're touching, what you're touching there, your purse or your wallet, is Jesus Lord of that? is Jesus Lord of your wallet. Because you see, you may think he is Lord of your life, but usually the last thing that he has given is what you're now touching, your purse and your wallet. And he is not Lord until your finances have been laid on the altar for him. Lordship is about everything in my life. Lordship is not about me picking and choosing what I'm going to give to Jesus. Lordship is about my taking his word into my life and making it my rule of faith. And listen to this, my rule for faith and finances. The lordship of Jesus in my life 
is about his rule in my faith and my finances. Obedience to God's word is always the evidence. It's always the evidence of true confession of Christ as Savior and Lord. The word confess, in the ancient language of the scriptures, the the Greek language, means to say the same thing or to be in agreement with someone. The word confess means to say the same thing or to be in agreement with someone. Well, that immediately raises a question about me and about you. Am I in agreement with Jesus? Am I in agreement with Jesus? Is the Bible the rule in my life, in everything about me? Does the Bible determine who I am, who you are? Does the Bible determine how you manage your finances? Or have you taken that over for God? <coughs> the text verse this morning is, is one which I absolutely thrill with, get excited. It, causes, it just causes such a, a spiritual tingle in me. And... I want, I want people to remember me and you when the day comes that Jesus has returned and there's no longer a need for Yorkshire United Methodist Church or any church on earth. I want this to be said of those who are going before Jesus. Because of the proof, because of the proof given by Christians in Yorkshire United Methodist Church, God is glorified. He's glorified because those Christians were obedient to their confession of the gospel of Christ. And they were liberal in their contributions to all. Will you please, will you please decide this morning that you want God's grace lavished upon you and that you will give and share of all you have to keep your church strong and vital. Will you promise God right now that you want to be marked and identified with him so that his blessings will come to you and flow through you on their way to someone else.
in my life, in your lives, in the life of this great church. Let's make true confessions. Let's make true confessions and let everyone hear them and see them. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, your word is, is living. It's always, it's always fresh and new and able to sustain and keep us as we receive it and as we live that word. God, there is, there is a mentality, there is an attitude that many people carry even in churches, that when it comes to to finances, they know better than you. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit just be able to move and, and soften those hard hearts and minds so that they may be open to receive the blessings that you've promised. How much, Lord, you want to give, how much more we can have in terms of in terms of peace and calm and contentment and satisfaction and, and comfort and, and convenience and even resources when we walk in your way and have your word at the center of our lives, a word which is not only about about faith. It's a word about the entirety, the whole of our existence. And it is a definite word about finances. Lord, if there be any here this morning who choose not to, not to make you the Lord of every aspect of their life, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you give them no rest, no satisfaction until they give up the fight, relinquish the battle into your hands and discover the amazing, amazing truth that your word is powerful and it's relevant and it is for today. Lord, guide us and direct us and keep us faithful to our confession that we have made that, that you are the Savior, Son of God, and that in you is everything that we need. We place ourselves before you. Young people receiving allowances, some of them earning a wage now, their moms and dads, their grandparents, the other adults among us, we're all here together. And you ask us all to be faithful to you in every aspect of our lives. So God, as you have blessed us, 
May we be a blessing to you through your church. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.